Why does D&D fantasy resonate? What is the appeal of this so-called classic fantasy? Why do we keep returning to it over and over again? If you say the real life ends up your days And you don't have time to play Well, midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase And you need a rescue Chase coming at you with a rescue Who wrong play? Rescue Chase gonna help my friend Let's sit down the game again my name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, Rescuers. I hope you're well, and thanks for joining me on the show. Today, I'm doing one off the cuff, so to speak. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much the last day before I return to full-time teaching in the school. I don't know really what that's going to mean in practical terms, and I'm certainly not sure what that's going to do to my free time except probably squeeze it. I wanted to get something out there for this week and there were some ideas that had been pingling around my mind the last sort of 24, 48 hours so I'm just going to share them. Um, mostly a bunch of questions um, and a few thoughts and observations from my own experience. As ever, this is one man's view of the hobby I guess and I'd be very interested in hearing people's comments and feedback so please, as ever, if you've got something to say please do hop on the old mic and drop me a message. You can do that via Anchor or you know, just record something on your phone and email it in. So to avoid gibbering on like an idiot, let's get into it. This is Season 7, Episode 9. What is it with D&D Fantasy? Rescue! Once upon a time, long, long ago there was a little group known as the Castle and Crusade Society. Their fantasy rules were published, and to this writer's knowledge brought about much of the current interest in fantasy wargaming. For a time, the group grew and prospered, and Dave Arneson decided to begin a medieval fantasy campaign for his active Twin Cities Club. From the map of the land and of the Great Kingdom and environs, the territory of the CNC Society, Dave located a nice bog wherein to nest the weird enclave of Blackmoor, a spot between the Great Kingdom and the fearsome Egg of Coot. From the chainmail fantasy rules he drew ideas for a far more complex and exciting game, and thus began a campaign which still thrives out of this writing. In due course the news reached my ears, and the result is what you have in your hands at this moment. While the CNC Society is no longer, its spirit lives on, and we believe that all wargamers who are interested in the medieval period, not just fantasy buffs, will enjoy playing Dungeons and Dragons. Its possibilities go far beyond any previous offerings anywhere. E. Gary Gygax, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 1st November 1973. The first thing to say is that I'm a massive fan of Dungeons & Dragons. I have been for a very long while. We played the BX basic set and later we had the Beckme expert set and 
around that time we also managed to appropriate the monster manual and i remember my friends and i playing dungeons and dragons in this weird mashup that we didn't really know was a mashup but when you look back on it is actually three different editions of the game kind of being melded together but it didn't matter to us we were delving dungeons and fighting on occasion dragons but mostly not fighting dragons in this strange fantasy world which actually when you look back on it this so-called classic fantasy is a very made up thing made up of elements from other fantasies from movies certainly from comic books and from novels but none of those things really is found in Dungeons and Dragons in its purest form and that has always been both fascinating to me and obviously strange some of my friends have been quite dismissive of Dungeons and Dragons they call it like fantasy world or talk about generic fantasy but I've never felt that it's really very generic. It's actually rather specific. It's a construction of its own. As John Peterson points out in his seminal work, Playing at the World, it draws on many, many resources and brings them together in some kind of fresh way. The invention of the dungeon, a conceit I think created for play, is perhaps the most unique thing, but it is a strange construct that draws me and I think countless other people back again and again and again to come and play in this strange other world that Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson somehow mashed together and published in 1974. So why does Dungeons and Dragons fantasy resonate? What is the appeal of this classic fantasy, at least to me? Why do I return to it over and over? Why does it seem to resonate with so many people? In fact, probably most gamers. It is today the most popular, most played, and most lucrative of the role-playing games, after all. I think there are many things that keep Dungeons and Dragons in a kind of place of its own. And not least of that is the brand and the name. But to be honest with you, these days I'm not so likely to play Dungeons & Dragons. At least, not a modern edition. I'd be far more likely to go back to the roots. But to be very honest, my favourite Dungeons & Dragons-esque game is probably Castles & Crusades, named in homage, obviously, to the original Castles & Crusades society. When I think about this particular approach to play, the first thing that comes to mind are a range of archetypal images. They're classic heroic images for me. Right back at the beginning was the fighting man and the magic user, which are in some ways pretty clumsy terms, but they do evoke a certain flavour. I believe they draw on myth and legend from all over the world, in all times and all places, almost indiscriminately, all at once. These great big class concepts of the fighter, as it has become, and the wizard, are, I think for many, broad enough to allow for almost any concept of character that you would want. The other thing I think that is really strong is this archetypal battle between good 
and evil, or law and chaos, as it was at the beginning. These are, however, classical dichotomies, and they are essentially moral dichotomies. They question our beliefs about the metaphysics of the world and the universe around us in a way that I think does resonate. Going deeper than that, I think the Dungeon Dragons is in its heart and in itself simple. It's clearly understandable by children and adults alike. And while throughout my life I've heard the accusation that Dungeons and Dragons is merely for kids, I think there is a truth in that children can access it. I think because it is at heart a simple concept. I think on top of this, generally speaking, non-complex goals and relatively uncomplex relationships really feed our childlike sensibilities. And I want to talk about that in a positive way because I don't think childlikeness is a negative thing. As children, or at least as a child, I myself expressed and experienced a deep fear of the unknown. For me, this was most notable in fear of the dark, but also in fear of the underworld, in places of death and judgment, in places where perhaps there was no return. There was always, for me, a sort of dreamlike unreality to the Dungeons & Dragons fantasy, where the normal rules of the world are subverted and twisted, where logic is to some degree brushed aside and the imagination is set free. And for me, these are all things to be celebrated. They are features and not a bug of Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons is also a game of power and treasure. It feeds a hunger for desire, this base humanity within us. I want more, and I want it now. Dungeons & Dragons requires a group. It brings together disparate people, and each has their role and their place to play. Again, for me, both of these are childlike sensibilities. We are trying to find our place in the world, and through the experience of Dungeons & Dragons, I know that I found I could play many roles, each with its own place within the world. And I think this was always a strong appeal. As an adult now, it is a way for me to escape the genuine roles I have in life, to face the powerlessness that I often feel, and to imagine treasures that I will never in truth possess. It is a way for me to subvert my base humanity and to express it in a way that is safe and with friends. Or perhaps it's just a silly game and we enjoy silly games together. I don't know. I know, though, that there is something that keeps drawing me back to this specific type of play, and I place it against a more realistic mind that says that I cannot subvert the normal rules and I should not brush aside logic and that imagination should in some way be bounded. Dungeons & Dragons seems to allow me more freedom which of course is a ludicrous thing to say because in an imaginary game 
I could do anything I wanted. But there is something, isn't there, in that strange mashup, that compendium of creatures from all places and all times, in those archetypal character classes, and in those essentially simple rules that just keeps drawing us back over and over again. And although I've just discussed some thoughts, I have to say I am none the wiser as to why I keep finding myself drawn back ever and ever again to that classic fantasy experience first expressed in those rules for fantastic medieval war games playable with paper and pencil and miniature figures. Hi Jay, Goblin Henchman here. So I'm quite behind on all my podcasts because I went on a bit of a social media break. But uh, I was listening to some of the some of the back stuff about you know is is the, the term fun an appropriate way to describe RPG gaming? And I think for a lot of people it probably is. Um, but I can also see where you're coming from because you know in in a sense RPGing is a form of entertainment, isn't it? And you can go to, for example, the cinema, you can go watch fun films, can't you? But you can also go watch quite serious films, quite weighty films, you know, uh, maybe even historical films that are, you know, really touching on some sort of negative aspect of human culture or society. So you can't really describe that as fun, but it's still, you know, it's still in that kind of entertainment branch. Um, now, I'm not saying your gaming is on the heavy side there, but you know, I, I think, you know, but... So, you know, again, I don't want to speak too much for what you're saying but um, about fun, but, you know, I can see why um, you may feel strongly that, you know, fun is too too um, a bland or banal um, term for your, your, the way you play and, and game. And you know, I'm not suggesting that you're, you know, on the super dark side of the gaming, you know, and everything's heavy and weighty, but, you know, I, I, I think I, I hope... I think I can see what you're saying now. If I've misunderstood you, misunderstood you, or paraphrased you poorly, then um, I apologise. But anyway, all I'm saying is I don't think gaming necessarily has to be just in quotes fun. All right, cheers, bye. Hi, Chase Spencer here, and it's been a few days since I listened to Why Do I Play What I Play. And I've been thinking about the situation you find yourself in where you are investing so much in gathering background material on a setting. You're investing so heavily, immersing yourself in that world to such a degree that by the time you get around to playing, you're already kind of bored with that world. I wonder if you've thought about going in a different direction game-wise, looking for a game that may be doesn't have a lot of background material. The rules give rise to the world through play. Um, just a thought. Two very pertinent for me call-ins from Goblin's Henchman and Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall. Thank you guys for calling in. I really appreciated it. And I'm wondering whether in what I'm talking about today there isn't some connection. 
Spencer and I have had a little bit of to and fro actually since he sent me that message and um, I think it's fair to say that my current adventures in building a mega dungeon and trying to keep that very simple were part of this journey to something unbounded I suppose. In recent days I've taken the journey further and I found myself back reading through the castles and crusades cool rule books and looking around and feeling like I just wanted to maybe throw down some characters into a bit of a outline world and yeah just go adventuring which seems strange given all the things I've been talking about recently but I do feel I want to enter a kind of dreamlike unreality join with some friends and find my feet and on top of that, obviously, I've had my recent conversations with Evil Jeff, which have provided me with a different perspective through play-by-post. And, I don't know, taken all together, I feel as though there is something here to return to. But perhaps it is simply that I've grown tired of thinking too hard and maybe I just want to roll some dice with some friends. And that's all good, right? Thanks, guys. Game on. Hey, Shay. This is Judd uh, from Daydreaming About Dragons. I would listen to a bunch of your episodes tonight, and uh, from Andy Goodman up to uh, You Not Feeling Safe, and I just had a couple things I thought thought of. Um, if you and Andy ever want to play Apocalypse World, let me know. Uh, I would love to demystify that process for you. And I love playing on, I don't love playing on Zoom, but I like it. It's all right. Uh, so let me know. Um, and I wonder if so there's something that might be helpful in Apocalypse World, uh, the, the agenda and the principles for you kind of unspooling what it is you like in your, uh, you know, in your immersion other world play. Um, not that AW, the Apocalypse World's agendas and principles are going to be yours, but by looking at those, you may be able to make your own. Um, let's put a pin in that, and I'll come back in another minute. So, for example, I mean, just l l listening to a couple of your shows, you might, I mean, I know that there was something you said about uh, things, things that happen in games that really, like, killed your immersion. So, talking about, like, the GM, uh, you know, what does the GM do? What does the GM come to the table with? Um, and, and writing that down uh, for, for your own... Uh, you know, figuring out what you like. Um, I think it's interesting. We used to do action learning at work. And one of the things we would come to is there was this point in the process where we were trying to help someone where we would ask them questions and ask them questions. And then we would, you know, say, do we know what the problem is? And I feel like that's where you're at, right? You're like at this point where you're like, oh, I, I know what the problem is now, right? You're at, you know, in the beginning of role play rescue, it was like, you know, why am I not gaming a bunch? And now I feel like you're, 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 you're getting there. You're, it's really close. You know, you, you know, you're kind of figuring out exactly what you like and what you don't like, which is exciting to watch. Thank you for the journey. So yeah, would it be helpful for you to say like, you know, the GM, uh, you know, makes up the world, doesn't tell me when they wing it. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Or does the GM have to have the whole world in their head? Um, can we agree that the GM probably, there are probably some blank spaces and, and you might wander into a place where they hadn't seen foreseen and so they have to make something up uh and if so what it, you know is it just that they have to put the curtain over that 
and not let you know what what was made up and what was written down and and you know what was random um is that important to you and if so that's good to know you know that might not be the way every game is played but it's really cool to know and uh yeah um and also i'm thinking about you know things you said about traveler uh had me thinking so let's get to that uh, we were talking about Traveler. It really reminded me of the times I've played Stars Without Number. That might be a game worth looking at. Um, it's not very complicated. Uh, it's very D&D-based. If you've played D&D, you, you, you have a good idea of, of where it's at. Um, and the random tables in it are are exquisite, I think. Uh, I, I find the, the, the sector creation for that is really fun. Um, it makes a, it, you, you can randomly create a sector, but I still feel like there's a lot of cool, fun stuff to imagine and a lot of fun world building to do. So yeah, I would just ch- uh, check it out. Um, from the sector creation, uh, you know, over to, you know, making a planet, making a city, uh, making a job, making a, you know, antagonist, a protagonist, a mentor, all kinds of stuff. Stars Without Number. And, and the the one of the PDFs for it is free. So just check it out. Stars Without Number by Kevin Crawford is, is well worth looking up for, for your traveler vibes. So excellent call-ins there from Judd. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And um, I did take your advice uh, I, on August the 19th. Um, I actually sat down, I think it was the day you sent the message and, uh, I just sat down and, uh, yeah, write down, what does the GM do? Uh, that kind of led into some, also some thinking about player responsibilities as well and that stuff. I'm not going to shell that here, but yeah, it, it was actually quite helpful just to sort of throw down those thoughts. And it's kind of led me to where I'm at today, I guess, in a big way. Also, yes, stars out number. I'm well aware of it. Um, both editions of that game have been through my hands and um yeah that you're right they're, they're full of really great material i'm not so much a big fan of the the wolves bit of it but the uh the tables are great so thanks judd thanks for the call in and yeah thanks for inspiring me to sit down and ask myself the big question what does the gm do hey there jay it's john from the red dice diaries here i've just been listening to your episode of five of season seven why do i play how i play and i was just wondering uh, just to like for my own personal information uh, when you talked about how when you've been playing in other people's games and you'd sort of realized that creating this other world wasn't their priority and you sort of saw behind the curtain so to speak and realized it was an illusion then you became sort of disengaged from the game and became so bored with the game and withdrew from it i just wondered did you approach the the gm to sort of like bring up your issues or your sort of like your problems with the game to see if you could maybe reach some sort of solution that would satisfy everyone involved i'm not saying you didn't maybe you did but that's pretty much always my first piece of advice like have a conversation with the GM. Anyway, I'm going to get back to the episode, dude. Hey, John, good to hear from you. And no, I don't tend to do that, which is not very adult of me, I suppose. Not very wise at all. It's a bit like telling a parent that they're doing it wrong. Um, I always feel like saying to a GM that I'm not enjoying the game because of X, Y, or Z is in that territory. And so, no, I shy away from it. Now, I am fully aware that that's probably not the best answer. And I just honestly don't even know how I'd broach it. With a really close friend, perhaps, um, you know, this conversation would be had. But uh, with most people, 
it's easier, I think, to bow out and, you know, not tread on those toes. I'm really pulling a funny face right now, so sorry about that, man. Um, I'm not sure I feel very proud about admitting to this, but no. I do not tend to talk to the GM about what I'm not enjoying about their game. And I rather suspect I'm not the only one. But okay. Right, thanks for the call indeed. Oh, there's another bit from John. Hey there, Chase. John again from the Red Dice Diaries. Just finished listening to your episode five, season seven, where you ended with the calling about whether the hobby's still a nerdy hobby. And I thought I'd throw my tuppence into the ring. It's probably not going to be very helpful, to be honest, but it's just how I feel. I've got to be honest, it, it was perceived as being a very nerdy hobby when I sort of grew up in like the 80s and 90s. However, I think sort of growing up with that, I sort of stopped caring about what other people thought about the hobby. I mean, there's plenty of hobbies that are out there that I think are absolutely trash. But, you know, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're not my particular flavour. So, to be honest, I know it's not helpful, but I can't really answer whether there's still a nerdy stigma about the hobby because I ceased caring about that long ago. As long as it's a hobby me and other people enjoy, I generally don't care. So, like I say, probably not useful, but I just wanted to throw my top and say anyway. Anyway, take care, dude. Enjoy the episode. I'll catch you soon. Hey, Jay, it's Arlen. Um, I'm expecting to go longer than a minute, so I'm doing the different recording thing um, and going to send it to you via email. But, um, yeah, I'm calling in because I did finish Season 6. I finished Season 6 a while ago, and then I was going to call in when I finished all of the current stuff, too, and then you keep putting out new episodes, and so I keep unfinishing the current stuff. So, you know... Who knows what to do about that? Um, but it's great that you're you're putting out season seven stuff. Um, yeah, season six was great. Obviously, I I sent a whole bunch of message in messages in for the Daniel Jones interview. But um, talking with Dave Aldridge was was great too. Talking with Joe Richter, even if I don't. I'm not a Pathfinder guy, but I, I appreciate his enthusiasm for Pathfinder. Talking with Jason Hobbs, obviously, is was great. The Playing Too Seriously episode. John Large, always great, fun to hear from. And then, of course, like I, I'll go back to the the other world immersion with David with Daniel Jones has been um, you know, a, a big influence, it seems like, on both of our thoughts. Um, so yeah, season six, very cool stuff. Um, season seven, I'm really enjoying it. I know you've slowed down, slowed down a little bit and, um, you know, I, I totally understand. And that's, that's all right. As a patron of role play rescue, I still feel like my money is being well spent, even if you're only putting out one episode every week. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, it's really cool stuff. I'm I'm really enjoying, and I'm I'm glad we're getting to play Conan. Um, I hope that when the Conan um, campaign, excuse me, is over, we can talk a little bit about uh, what worked and what didn't, and particularly kind of get into sort of the the more narrativist stuff and whether that uh, worked for you or whether you kind of felt like that was even there. Cause um, I feel like there's a little bit of that there, but it's not, it's not quite as much as I might hope. So 
I don't know. We'll we'll chat about Conan after after that campaign is concluded, and um, figure out how to how to do uh, that. Um, but yeah, uh, season six has been great. Season seven has been great, and I am now totally caught up on everything role play rescue. I've listened to the entire back catalog, um, and it's all been really fun. So. Um, Big thanks to you for putting out such a fun podcast to listen to and that has occupied my um, idle hours so well. So thanks for that, Jay. And you're most welcome, Arlen. Thanks so much for your call-in. Um, yeah, great to hear from you. Thanks for just you know going through everything. It is amazing to me that anyone will go through that back catalogue. It is sort of long. Um it's kind of the way I imagined people would go through the show when I started, but actually when I look back on it now, it makes sort of less sense, I suppose. But no, thank you, and thanks for the feedback. I'm glad that you've enjoyed it, and it's been fun. Um, and I hope it stays that way, you know, that uh, even this episode, um, off the cuff though it be, um, is of interest. So, yeah, thank you. And, of course, thanks, John Large, for your extra thoughts on whether it's a nerdy hobby or not. Uh, I don't know. Who knows, eh? Right then. Where does that bring us? Um, well, I did have a bunch of calls from Jason, so I'm going to throw those in, and then I'm going to go and wrap this one up. So let's see what Jason's got to say. Hey, Jay, Jason here. As you know, I'm a little behind in listening to podcasts, but on my way home from work and listening to 703, Vox Popoli, Spencer is talking about an episode of... Um, Colin Spike Pit Green's podcast. So Spike Pit RPG podcast. The thing about whether you should share your character's thoughts and would that, in a metagame sense, cause other people to have their characters act on those thoughts and all that. That's on a Spike Pit episode. It's not It's not Andy Goodman. Spencer got too confused. Maybe because he thinks all British people sound alike. I don't know. Um, anyhow, though. But, but that's what it is. So... H.A. really enjoyed the Walker microburst episode. It, you know, we know in the periphery, or some of us know in the periphery, that RPGs are being used for, you know, for good, not just for fun and beer and pretzels game, and not just for the immersion for, you know, those of us out here, but for to actually help people. And, and hearing that kind of thing really, you know, really gets you. So thank you so much for putting that out and reminding us on the, you know, the the more serious side and why, I, I guess more importantly, why it's important to support this hobby and keep this hobby alive and introduce people to it because it, you know, it can touch and change people and help people. And, you know, that's, that's great. So thank you. Um, sorry, I'm discombobulated with this message. Don't feel any need to play it. Just want to let you know that I enjoy and or I appreciate that you played it. Hey, Jay, I really enjoyed your talk with Andy Goodman about Tales of Loop and Dice. and It, it was a very frustrating listen because of the choppiness. I'm very happy you decided to put it out. Thank you. I, I know, you know, as a podcaster myself, I worry about putting out content with audio issues or, or this and that. And then I, I kind of default to, well, I'm just going to put it out and people will listen. They won't. But I'm glad you did. There, there's, there's, it was a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed listening to it. And I'm just frustrated because I, you know, I missed parts of what you said. But, you know, I know that's nobody's fault. And I'm glad that 
that didn't keep you from publishing it. So thank you very much for, for having the, um, the courage to publish something like that. So thank you. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Thank you, Jason, for calling in. You know, Jason calls in just about every episode and is always encouraging. And I just wanted to say thank you for that because honestly, it just means so much. Jason's a patron, but he's also just a really good friend and somebody whom, I don't know, just puts so much effort into responding. He does it not just on my podcast, but to countless others. And he is, I think, known out there as the cheerleader of the Anchorites. And I just wanted to say hats off to you, man. Thanks so much for your messages and your call-ins and your encouragement. And yeah, game on. And that's it for another episode, ladies and gentlemen. A kind of potpourri, I suppose. Some thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons fantasy and me really trying to grasp what on earth it is that keeps bringing me back to that game. And yeah, a sort of reawakening of my Castles and Crusades temptation, I suppose. I'm going to see where that goes. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. And of course, then sharing a whole host of call-ins that I've received over the like several weeks now i just wanted to make sure i shared so thank you to everybody who called in let's see if we can do this list in some vague kind of order um so we had spencer and judd and john and jason and goblins henchman and arlen and i think that's everybody thank you to all of you guys thank you so much for your listening and your comments and your thoughts and i hope i did them some justice And on that note, I'm going to get out of here. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. And I'll see you again on the flip side. Game on. (laughs)